Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy. Got my guy, Mr. Mitchell, in the building. Finally, episode 74, State of the New York Knicks podcast. How you doing, brother? How's everything? Happy New Year's. I haven't spoken to you in a while. Um, How's everything, man? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, not too bad where I am at the moment, man. But um, I guess I guess you might have seen on the news or heard about it. But uh, where yeah. our whole country down here is on fire, bro. Um, so yeah, the fire brigades battling bushfires everywhere. Um, even a few NBL games have had to be stopped um, because of fires around the arenas. Um, so. Yeah, it's a bit full on actually down here. Um, ever ever since before actually Christmas, and it's just got worse. Just mainly because of the weather. Yeah, I, I mean, we I think we kind of doing worse over here according to the news I've just read on Twitter. We got an idiot in the White House. <laughs> oh yeah, who just who just uh, I I don't even want to talk about this guy. But anyways, <laughs> oh man. Um, we haven't spoken in a while. <laughs> the Knicks are on a funny three-game winning streak at the moment. And it was a couple of things we was going to talk about, too. It's a couple of things we was going to talk about. Um, we're going to get into Mike Miller. Um, we're going to get into the the roster, get into some of the players. We're going to get into this trade talk that everybody's talking about. But... Let's get into Mike Miller, bro. I, I haven't spoken to you in a couple of podcasts. So I'm pretty sure you got a lot to say about this guy because I'm 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 so impressed. Um he has six wins when David only had four wins. He has six losses. His team is averaging 109 points, basically 110 points. Fisdale team was averaging hundred points. Um, points against 110, Fisdale 111, but the net difference is 10 points, and the assist rate is up from 19.8 to 23.7. Um, what's your, what's your, what's your take on, on Mike Miller so far, man? Yeah, uh, well, I'm impressed, like, like you said, uh, myself. Um, oh, I've been really impressed actually, especially of late, uh, three game win streak now. Um, you know, I, I think I said it to you uh, just the other day, actually. Um, you know, he, he's not doing anything revolutionary by any means. He's, he's just doing, um, you know, sim- simple stuff and they're just executing. Um, he's got this team finally sort of, I guess, clicking on, on most cylinders, I guess you would say. Um, and they've been playing a hell of a lot better, uh, obviously, um, over the last stretch uh, since he's taken over. So I think he's, I think he's really sort of you know just just taking things and operations day by day and and um, he'll he'll see out the year obviously um, with how well he's um, producing and what he's getting out of the players at the moment. So uh, you know and they can only go forward. I mean we we know um, a few players sort of regressed under Fizz. Um, you know, and Mike Miller takes a no-nonsense sort of, you know, straight-to-the-point type of approach. Um, I guess over Fizz is sort of, uh, you know, to, to the young guys, I guess he was a bit more fatherly and, 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 and trying to be a friend more than 
sort of coaching them, I guess. Um, that that's probably mm-hmm. just a bit of a backfall for Fizz. But Mike Mike Miller, he, he's starting to bring knocks back. You know what I mean? Like to where he was at the start of the season with all that confidence and that. Um, I can see that progressing. Mitch is. Mitch has been playing a lot better than than what he had been. Um, you know, every, everyone's mm-hmm. doing their job, I guess. Um, there's there's always still going to be niggly points, but it's it's more niggly, you know, critiquing the players, not Mike Miller, because you know um, he he sets the game plan. It's their job to execute it, I guess you could say. So, but yeah, from from the coaching standpoint, I guess you could say he's he's doing that well at the moment. He might even be putting himself at the forefront to take over on a more permanent basis. I, I, I can't lie to you. I, he got 20 more games from me, and I think I'm sold. He got 20 more games from me. Because, for example, Frank Nullicano right now, since he was moved to the bench, the Knicks had a positive 34.7 net rating with him and Mitchell Robinson on the court. Jesus Christ. And you notice the last few games, he's been running a hell of a, a lot more pick and rolls. Um, I think Fisdale was running at least 23 pick and rolls a game. Mike Miller's plus 40 a game. Um, you see it, man. You see Frank Nelligan, all his stats are up from last year. This kid, 39% from the field. Last year, he was 34% from the field. Um, this year, thirty four percent from three. Last year, he was like twenty nine percent from three. The kid showing improvement, man. I'm very impressed with Mike Miller. Um, another another one. I'm just gonna add another player. Um, since his return, he took a couple of games, obviously, but since he's returned from injury, um, he's getting uh, you know, good stuff out of Peyton. Like Peyton's playing a hell of a lot better than what he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I get I can see this to Alfred Payton. He definitely gets the offense going. Yeah. Um, he get young guys. I kind of get annoyed with his little two-man game with Julius Randle sometimes. But I take it. We winning. Exactly. It's not too much you can ask for. I mean, the it, defense has been stellar. Well, put it – to put it <laughs> – to put it simply, obviously, you know, um, the the you know when we we're obviously going to get into it in a minute with with trades, but there's not a lot of I've been sort of you know doing my research on it and that there's not a lot of point guards available, and we're probably more looking to draft a point guard. So I dare say, you know, if DSJ by the sounds of it's going to be included in trade, well, we'll we kind of have to keep Alfred for for the rest of this season, which he's only on the year deal anyway. So I'm kind of happy with that sort of rotation for the rest of the season of, of Alfred Payton and Frank Nilakini in the point guard role. Um, mm-hmm. Frank, Frank can just obviously, now that Alfred's back and he, as you said, he can run the show, which Frank, Frank sort of struggles with at, at times. Um, he'd be better off coming off the bench as backup. So yeah, that I'm quite content in, in the way that Mike Miller's even using both of them in the rotations. I think also Mike Miller's rotations, uh, each each game since he take each took over. I mean, I, at first I was a little bit skeptical. Obviously, we everyone was, um, but I think he he was learning. He's well, he learns quicker than Fisdale. I've picked up on um, because 
you know, he made adjustments here and there that he needed to. And he, I, I feel that his rotations have gotten better and better as, as each game has gone on. Yeah, his rotations has gotten a hell of a lot better. I questioned his rotations a couple of podcasts ago, but they got more crisp and more sharp. And another example of Mike Miller coaching, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle, they have a positive 12.1 net rating, 109 offensive rating, 97 defensive rating, and 165 minutes. Under David Fisdale, there was a negative 17.9. Oh, my Jesus Christ. So, just more in, indictment on David Fisdale and just how bad he was. And I'm, I will admit, I, I was a David Fisdale I, I was protecting this man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think number- I, I think it comes down to a lot too, like like I sort of touched on a, uh, a bit earlier. Um, with Fisdale, I think he took the approach like you could you could sort of like uh, take as, you, you know, when you, you're a parent of a child and you should be the parent and that's the child, but sometimes you get parents that want to be the child's friend instead of being a parent first type thing. So he was sort of taking that type of approach in the sense of, as I said, especially with guys like Knox and that, uh, like a father-type figure instead of a coach, you know what I mean? Like, that's the sort of approach he was taking. I, I think at first, generally, like, you know, taking on that job, especially when you've got young guys, that sort of approach initially is is good, you know, to get yourself acquainted with, with the player and, and them get uh, gain your trust and vice versa. But then... You know, and we both kept saying he needed to install a system and it just wasn't happening. He still kept going with the whole fatherly thing. And and, and it has actually been, I forget who it was, I don't know if it was Burma or someone, but they reported on it too. They must have picked up on the same thing. Um, that he, Yeah, he was just being too much like that instead of, you know, trying to uh, coach the team and, you know, make adjustments. And he, he just obviously wasn't doing enough of that. Nope. And Mike Miller is a hell of a coach when it comes to X's and O's and out of out of um, timeouts um calling plays. He's excellent at that as well. I love I love Mike Miller, man. I love him so far. I appreciate this guy. Um let's get into some of the players, man. I want to get into Kevin Knox real quick. Because, you know, you see Michael Porter Jr., you see this kid go 10 for 11 from the field. And, you know, Nick's Twitter goes into a frenzy. I'm getting constant arguments with people like, what? Knox is going to be better. I'm not really worried about Kevin Knox. Um, When I see Kevin Knox and I see other guys' situations and I see how Marcus Morris is starting in front of him and I see Got to constantly play with Bobby Porters, which is a horrible pairing with Kevin Knox. I don't, I, I don't see any positives to that. So no. I'm not really Knox as other people would be. I'm just preaching, be patient. Yeah. And, um, and and this, you know, he got all the tools. Man. He got all the tools, man. And, and and just to like run off what you just said there, when when it pertains to like you've seen arguments of you know people bringing up Michael Porter Jr. and that now, I'll, I'll say this straight out, and, and 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 we all know it's fact. Coming out of college, Michael Porter Jr. out of the two of them, 
was the more advanced player was was the better player all over. Um, you yep. know, it, yep. and it, and and um, he still is. It, it, you know, with all his tools and and his game and everything, but. Where Knox has got favorability is, is is you know he he's still young and he's still very very teachable, and um, you know he, he's got a lot more to bring out in his game. Whereas Michael Porter Jr. already is is when you kind of watch him, he's kind of a complete or well, almost complete player. Uh, you know he he can only improve so much more. But in saying that, also. Kevin Knox also hasn't got the the type of back injuries that Michael Porter Jr. carries with him too at such an early age. So that that and 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 I mean we've seen it all before when when you get severe back injuries <clears throat> and especially in in Michael Porter Jr.'s case, you have issues throughout your career. Like uh, Gallinari is another one. He 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 obviously had some seasons where he missed a lot of games and that because of of, of lower back and mid back injuries. Um, yeah, it's obviously you know it's it's a it's a high percentage rate there. You know, you do damage to your back playing basketball. It kind of affects you, the majority of your career. You know, you might have your good runs where where you where your back's feeling good in that, but you know you you take a fall the wrong way, um, get knocked the wrong way, or something like that, and it could just agitate it enough where it's going to start flaring up and playing up. So that that's what Michael Porter Jr. probably has. You know, looking forward to him for the however long his career goes for, uh, unfor- unfortunately. But still, yeah, as I said, I, I, right now on a talent wise, yeah, there, there's no argument that he's he's better skill wise. But as again, he's he was yeah, all, way better. He was also the more complete player out of the two coming out of college. Like he, even Kevin Knox's own coach was was saying that you know he, he's still in his own words he's still kind of green. He's he's still got a lot to learn and and. The motor was the big thing, you know, but you, you get him invested and you, you get him where his confidence is up and, and that motor starts to pick up. But it, it it's the with the motor with me, it needs to pick up and then stay there. And that's where I think where it went backwards with Fisdale and, you know, kind of dropping him from the starting line up, then back down to the bench. I think that that was a big knock to his confidence. Um, you know, some some of these rookies, like in Knox's case, when they are raw, depending on how raw they are, you know, if they start having a good run, you've got to stick with them. You know, even if there's like a bad game in that in between that, you know, all the good games, you know, that they're having, let them keep going because you've got to build that. The, the confidence is the biggest thing. And, you know, it, most players will say the same thing. You, you know, if your confidence is high, um, and you're a good shooter or, or what have you, you've got a high percent rate of, you know, the shot going in. But if your confidence is low, you know, not so much. So, and that, that's what I think it is mostly with Knox is, is a confidence thing because when his confidence is sky high, he, he's on his game, um, no doubt about it. Um, he's got good size. He can still fill out a lot more size-wise and put on a bit more muscle as well. Um, look, I mean, you know, you say to people, I've said it to people, I mean, look at Giannis. Giannis, when he first came in, was a skinny, skinny little weed man. Like, he, <laughs> you know, he, he was, uh, you know, the muscle-bound Greek freak that we see today that dominates everybody at the moment. Um, so, you know, not Knox might not ever reach that type of level, but... You know, he, he could always be a very, very good role guy that 
any team would probably love to have. Um, yeah, it's just a patience thing. And and some players take a li- little bit longer than others to, to get there. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, to stick with him and, and, as I said, just work with him and build his confidence up and, you know, keep at him with his motor as well, you know, for both ends. Because um, I still go back to the start of the season, the few games at the start of the season where, as far as I was concerned, he was on fire from both ends. Um, and then yeah. whatever happened, happened between with him and, and Fizz there and Fizz's coaching or whatever he was doing with him. And, um, yeah, he just went down. But now Mike Miller's starting to get the best back out of him and, and help him on his way back up. So that that's that's a good thing. Um, and I, that I'm sort of thankful that Mike really has sort of um, been able to bring him back out of his uh, slump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thankful too, man. Let me name some guys off to you. Paul George, 20 years old, 29% from three, 7.8 points per game in his sophomore year. Tobias Harris, 20 years old, 28% from three, 8.4 points per game. Uh, Giannis, 20 years old, 30% from three, 9.8 points per game. Kevin Knott, 20 years old, 30. 30- 4% from three, 11 points per game in his sophomore year. Clay Thompson, 41% from three, age 21, 12 points per, per year. So, guys can improve. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Can improve. If you work on your game and you're in a good culture, a good environment with other young guys who Wants the same thing. You're going to improve. I believe in Kevin Knox. He comes from a military family, like I always say. The kid is going to be good, man. I, I'm not worried about Kevin Knox. No. Nah. Um, people people always compare him to Shea Gildress Alexander. And I always tell people it's a diff- different situation. He yeah. got Chris Paul, better vets. You, <laughs> Apart- you, you can't. And, and and apart from the, the I kind of guess you could say the laughable obvious that they play completely utterly different positions. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, uh, don't get me wrong. I love Shay Gilgis Alexander. Um, he's uh, you know good, a very very good combo guard. He's only going to get better. Um, you know, and it's good what he's he's doing. And then like you said, he, he's now learning from Chris Paul now that he's with the Thunder. Um, and he's got some other good vets under him over there. And, you know, they've got a good stable system that they've had in place for a while over there as well. So that that's kind of benefits, I guess, any any young guy going through their system at the moment. Um, you know, so, yeah, you know, knocks will come. But, you know, they, people have got to realise knocking him, yeah, at the same time they can knock him, but then they've also got to knock the coaching that, that he's had as well. And then the man, man, the turmoil that that the team's been in pretty much throughout the whole season with management, everything, like none of none of that helps these young guys in reality. Like it's it's not a good situation to come into. And now with at least at least on the coaching front with Mike Miller, um, they've got some kind of stability there now. They've actually got a coach yeah. with direction now. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's something. That's something even with still whatever's going on in the front office. So they've, they've got something there now that's actually leading them forward and, and forward in a good way. Um, and, and hopefully, 
you know, we, we can continue getting a few more wins here and there throughout the rest of the season. And, of course, after the All-Star break, um, that's only going to, as I said, build the confidence and in these young guys um, that that do remain on the roster if trades are made. Um, yeah, it's just gonna it's just gonna benefit them. They're they're actually fine. I think even with just just this three game stretch, I think you know guys like Knox and RJ would be like, oh, thank God, like we finally know what winning's like, <laughs> you know, and yeah. what, what a win oh, runs good. like, you know. Um, because before and before Mike Miller, all they would have been seeing is other teams go on runs like that and go, geez, we wish we could go on a run like that, you know, have a four or five game stretch or something like that, you know. So just just for the confidence of oh, we can actually do this if we play this way and the right way, we can win games, you know. So um, I, I can imagine what it'd be like the constant losing on, on a rookie, even a sophomore. You know, it'd be hard, especially in New York and especially with, you know, not just fans at you, but the media at you. It's it's a tough place, man. It's a tough place. But, you know, if if people have the patience, then, you know, um, out of the rubble, so to speak, the good will come of it, you know. And, and Kevin Knox, as I said, he... He he's, isn't as polished as some that came in his draft, so that's what people got to understand. And it's just going to take a little time. That that's all. And he's still got time. He's he's young. He's it's not like he's mid twenties or thirties or anything like that. So, you know. Well, speaking of Kevin Knox from Kentucky, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about Bam out of bio. Yeah. I'm thinking about com- I'm thinking about the word confidence, and. Here comes Mitchell Robinson. This guy is so now, I'm not even gonna say so dominant. I'm not even gonna say that yet. I'm gonna wait for another year until I say that word. No. I'm gonna give him his, his respect. He was very dominant last game. He destroyed oh. Hassan Whiteside. Um next record, franchise record in field goals made without a miss, eleven for eleven. This kid was the 36th pick in the 2018 draft, and he has not attempted a three-point shot yet. No. <laughs> it's, it's been bugging me too, bro, because me and you have been – we're talking um, last year's podcast. We were talking, um, oh, you know, he's been practicing it and everything. I wonder if he's going to show it out. And he still hasn't showed it. So I, I don't know if that's uh, – <laughs> A confidence thing. He's not confident enough with it to pull, try and pull it off in a game. But um, I will. I will. And and you may have heard this. I I think someone on the team, maybe Mook Morris, might should be the guy. Uh, uh, like Jimmy Butler has uh, done with Bam Adebayo. Um, they apparently he says to Bam before each game, "You got to go out there and at least t- attempt one free. Because if you don't, you got to pay me five hundred dollars." So, so, so maybe Mook Morris should do the same with me. Go out there, and you got to at least give me one attempt, just one attempt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good incentive, though. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and um, ben, ben, I mean, you know, he, he, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, uh, brilliant from three. But um, I've seen him hit a couple in 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 some games and. He's at least done the one attempt each game, apparently, from what Jimmy Butler's been saying. So. <laughs> Yo, that kid is amazing. See what the Kentucky players turn into? You just give oh. him time. 
Yeah, you just let them marinate. Let them. You got to get the right vet around them. That's that's all it takes. Exactly. Frank Milikina got Marcus Morris around him, so he's lighting the fire up under this kid. I'm loving it. Mitchell Robinson, loving this kid. Kid hasn't taken a jump shot yet. I don't even care. I need nah. to start taking jump shots next season when the games is really going to count because I really want to make the playoffs next season. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about that in future podcasts, but next season is very important, and we must make the playoffs next season. Um, and the and the and the thing with Mitch too, um, with like you said, yeah. I, I don't, I with, with like you said a minute ago, where you were contemplating if it was too early, too early to call it yet or not. But with that game where where he dominated Hassan Whiteside, now for me personally, because I've been following. Portland out west in the Western Conference. Um, with the way he's been playing majority of this season so far, that for me was a big thing uh, and should be a big step and a, a big plus for Mitch because um, Hassan Whiteside has been dominating most people he comes up against this season. Um, he's had a uh-huh. whack of big games. Um, and just to see someone else do that to him and it happened to be Mitch. Yeah, and it happened. Oh, it, it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. And I'd say at the moment, right now, as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, Mitch is the best shot blocker in the NBA. I, I haven't seen better than he – like, he, he he goes after anything and everything that's in front of him, man. Like anything and everything that moves, that, that kid's going for. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll block it in the paint. He'll block it – out at the three-point line, he'll just—he just loves to get a block, man. He, he, I think one of these days he's just gonna completely obliterate and reset records, record books when it comes to blocks, man. <laughs> Question. Question. How long does it take for Mitch to have a 10-10-10 block game? Oh yeah, that would that would be a very very a very very bloody good game too. Um, yeah, I think I think he's on his. I think I could say that he's on his way. I I I don't know how soon, but I think he's on his way um, now under Mike Miller, um, because Mitch. yeah, like Mitch. he should have gone another level again. Like he he was playing, you know, you could say he was playing fairly all right uh, under Fisdale, but especially the last few games and and last game uh-huh. uh, specifically, uh-huh. Mike Miller has got him to go another level. So, I'm can, I, can I question you on that? Do you attribute to more pick and rolls being run with Frank Nelikina? Because it seemed like that play is unstoppable with Frank or yeah. Gary. Yeah, that that's that's really working beautifully. I mean, I I, I wish it also worked on a third with Alfred Payton, but uh, Alfred and him haven't sort of had that combination. But at least, hey, it, it's working with especially with Frank, um, and and when RJ does it with him as well. Um, that's beautiful to watch. And and we all knew, um, you know, most people that sort of did their little bit of research on Mike Miller that he's very big on the pick and roll. So he, he's found his two guys that do, do it really well with Mitch. Um, and I think that that should continue um, because it, it usually pays off nine times out of ten. Man, that pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson and Frank last game. Frank had 10 assists, man. I, I didn't even notice it until they put it up on the screen. But <laughs> it's good that 
Frank Nelikina is definitely watching Alfred Payne. It's good that Mike Miller has installed a system that I see. Um, I don't have to see Frank Nelikina coming across the court and handing the goddamn ball off anymore. And I don't see Julius Randle bringing up the ball anymore. So that's beautiful as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Julius I, I, Randle has been amazing, bro. Yeah, exactly. Because now, now this is, this is, and I'll be, I think I said it on quite a few other podcasts, the problem was he was he didn't have a point guard that was running the point for him like when he was in New Orleans. And now he's got Alfred. It, it's kind of made him fall back into that more, you know, uh, straightforward power forward role, you know. So he, he's just playing power forward, not a point forward, just doing his thing in the paint. That's all he needs to do. You don't need to. You don't need to dribble too much. Nope. <laughs> Just the ball, two dribbles to the basket. And I like how Mike Miller usually call the same play for Julius Randle, and he gets yeah. the ball and right into his movements. I love it. I don't need to. I I could take some of the um post isos with Julius Randle because he yeah. he's been out of the double team. So I, I you just. Know, he's really playing- yeah, I mean, even if he's just doing the basic thing, I don't want him to to do any of his or attempt his any of his tricky dribble moves. Just, just bring it up, man. Just basically and do your thing, dunk it in or shoot it, whatever. But yeah, as long as he just sticks to doing everything basic, like that, that's cool, man. You know, that doesn't make him any less of a player. He doesn't need to be out there trying to do fancy moves. Yeah, he mean he, yeah, man. Cause I was I was getting on him the past few weeks, man. I was on the trade Julius Randle boat, man. I was I was I well, think I was the captain. For, for a while there, I was starting to wonder if he was confused if he was playing for the New York Knicks or the Harlem Globetrotters, man. <laughs> <laughs> this guy was fumbling and bumbling and stumbling. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Pass the ball. Oh but, yeah. He has been finding guys lately. I wanted to pass the ball even more though, but um, he's been cool, man. He's been cool. But you know, we talk about the main. Oh yeah, we ain't we ain't getting to R.J. Barrett, Maple Mamba. I guess we got into the other two main picks, but the other main guy to the young core, Maple Mamba. How you feeling about R.J. Barrett right now? Like, what's your temperature on him? I just say this though, before you go. The last time a player shot less than 40% from the field, minimum 10 field goals per game, and less than 60% from the line, minimum four attempts per game. But in 1952-1953, ironically, Knicks legend. So a Knicks legend shot about the same amount as R.J. Barrett. So it's safe to say Knicks legend. What? How are you feeling about this kid, man? How are you feeling about... R.J. Barrett so far in his season. Do you feel like he's a small forward? Do you feel like he's a point guard, or is he good at shooting guard? Um, personally, um, you know, I think he's having you know your, your straightforward rookie year that your typical you know your typical rookie year, your up and down year. Um, but you know, he, he he's very strong, uh, NBA ready. I think he's for me personally. I think his best position's at the three. Um, I think because only because I think um, you know not not saying that he's slow or anything, but there is a lot of guards that that can out sort of pace him a bit. 
So I, I think he's better at the three with with his with his kind of speed, um, any size too as well. Because what what does he stand at six seven? I think it is. Um, you know, he's probably going to add a little bit more bulk too. Probably not overly too much, but um, a bit here and there. So he'll he'll get a little bit bigger probably over the next uh, next season or two. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, he's good at the three. I, I think that's where he needs to play. Um, you know, he, he could even, he can even be like in that you know LeBron type mold in in a sense, but just to a lesser degree in the sense that you know he'll play the small forward role. But if if need be, he can run it up like LeBron does, um, and, and you know do do whatever he thinks is right, whatever he can see out on the floor. Um, so yeah, that that's where I think it is for him. Um, yeah, I, I don't think obviously being straight point guard. Um, I don't think that that would be a full time thing. You know, you could obviously play him there in certain games for you know again matchups against like say if you wanted to put him there against Ben Simmons for example, just for pure you know height, you know size and that. Um, you know, you could match him up in games like that. But yeah, I think I think the small forward where he's going to have his best games. Uh, to be quite honest, that's cool. Um, well, then that goes right. My next subject then, because now we can talk about some trades. We talked about the three main guys for the young core. Love Frank Um, Don't know if he's going to be here past the trade deadline, but um, we, don't, we don't really need to get into too much with Frank Nilekina. Boy's improved all year. Um, but I really want to get into these trades, bro, because it's people talking. You're talking about the Carl Anthony Towns trade. It's talking about Devin Booker trade. I just want to get into both separately. Like for for starters, the Carl Anthony Towns trade. Now this is a trade that me and you we've spoken about. Um, how you how, before I go? How you feel about it? Okay, well, <clears throat> I look at it this way. You know, like everything's usually got a positive and a negative, right? So. I look at it as this: he's he's from Jersey, but grew up a Knicks fan, and and he's he has said um, times before in interviews that it's his dream to become a Nick one day. So oh, I like that. I like you know I, I think we always touch upon that we like players that want to actually play for this team. Um, so that that's good. Um, offensively, the, the, uh, again positively. Um, I, I think he can be more dangerous at times than Anthony Davis in the, in the front court. Um, he's got good speed and footwork for a big man. Um, yeah. I, I, I love him uh, offensively in that. Defensively is, is, is where I, I go a bit negative on him because for a guy his size and since he's come into the league, I've watched plenty of games of his and I just wish he would learn to use his body more. Um in, and 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 have the same sort of energy on offense on, on the defensive end, um, but in saying that, if we could if we traded for him, I would and, and you wanted to say pair him with Mitch because Mitch is more defense and offense, and say play Towns at the at the four. I mean that that yeah. I, I've thought about it before, and that's a twin towers enticing front court I, I could roll with because. You'd have your offense and your stretching of the floor with Towns, 
and you'd get your defence with Mitch and maybe Town seeing Young Dog, you know, do what he does on the defensive end, being a defensive maestro, as I like to call, blocking shots and everything. Um, it might make him pick up his game a bit on the defensive end. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's not a big really I've noticed on the Timberwolves roster that kind of has tried to do or even get that out of Towns. But, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling if he was to be paired with Mitch, Mitch would bring out, you know, the better end of him out on the defensive end. So it could be a good pairing. Um, but then, okay, from a trade standpoint, you know, Towns is an all-star. He's a super he could be a franchise star. I mean, Minnesota obviously look at him as a franchise star. Um, so you've got to take that all into a factor. Um, you know, I, I've said it the whole time. I, I don't know exactly what, what a trade would look like, but I would imagine that they would possibly get something close to what the Pelicans got for AD. Um, I don't want to give all that up. No, no. And, and, and I mean, I've had arguments about this where people go, oh, no, I wouldn't even be close because, uh, you know, Towns hasn't won anything. But I say to them, neither is Anthony Davis. He hasn't won a championship yet, but he's like Towns. He's made all-stars and, and, and won other accolades, but he hasn't won anything yet. And yet they got that type of haul for Anthony Davis. Carl Anthony Towns is younger. There's a there's a lot of people out there that that say that he's he's better now and still could give, could even better when it comes to offensively that they would prefer to even have him over Davis when it comes to offense. Um, so I mean, you, you take all that into account. It, it, put it this way, it's not going to be cheap. It's, it, it, plain and simple, it's not it's not going to be cheap. And I've been saying the whole time, you know. Uh, that they are gonna, they'd be silly not to at least ask, uh, say, well, to any team, oh, well, give us your one of your best young guys. You know, that, that of course they're gonna ask for either RJ or it could be Knox or it could be me. It's gonna be one of those three straight out of the back. Yep, you've got to start your pack. You want towns, you're gonna start your package with one of them. That That's, I mean, coming, you got to, that's where people have got to realize you've got to think like a GM here that they'd be stupid not to ask. You know what I mean? Like, on their behalf, you know, you're not going to give Carl Anthony Towns away for a bag of chips. And, and I think I've seen a few fans on, on Nick's Nation and that they're coming up with these wacky trades for him. And I'm just like, but why would, why, you know, why would they want, you know, Dennis Smith, like, you know, or why would they, you know, they, they're not going to want someone who's broken. They're not going to want someone, they're going to want a good return, you know, and that's, that's their GM and, 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 you know, front office's job is if he wants out and they want to trade him to get out from the contract and move on from him whatsoever, they're going to want still a good return, just like the Pelicans did with everybody and halted up the Lakers and halted up Knicks and everybody else that was involved because they wanted to get the best offer they could possibly get. So they weren't just throwing away Anthony Davis and left with a shell of a team, you know what I mean? And and they, they did extremely well out of that deal in the end of it. Um, I thought the longer the, the longer that they were taking to, to do it, um, I thought it was actually going to end up worse for them in the end. But, um, no, they, they ended up getting a pretty decent deal out of it, you know. So um, for someone like Towns, yeah, you, you're looking at a, a pretty pretty big package, I, I'd imagine. Um, you know, I, I've been trying to go over in my own head just theoretically 
hypothetically, sorry, um, you know, who would you include or who would they ask for? And yeah, I mean, there's there's numerous sort of packages that you could you could come up with, with including picks. But I'd, I'd, I've also sat back and thought, well, is it worth it? Are you going to do? Is, is it going to be? Well, yeah, like I don't. I'm not willing to give up Mitch. Mm. I'm not willing to give up Mitch. I'm not willing to do that. Oh, I, it, I have this. I, I have this feeling if if we make the trade, it's going to be a trade that's going to be that's going to end up being very similar to the Carmelo Anthony situation. Yeah, we will get Carl Anthony Towns, right? But he's going to be the best player with you know bags of crap around him, like pretty much like Melo was. So. You know, they didn't make that. Tr- I mean, the only difference is obviously is you get Towns. He's still locked in for 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 out. He's only in the first year of his five year contract. Whereas, you know, obviously with the Mellow situation, the Knicks should have really just waited till the end of the season. They could have got him in. You know, as free agent. Golden could, could be patient, man. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess when it comes to Town, I, I personally think that's probably out. If they're smart, it's out. Otherwise, yeah, you're looking at gutting your team and and losing picks, you know, a couple picks out of it because that's what it's going to take. Um, and you know, I don't think they need to be that desperate right now. It's not. It's not in such a dire strait where where you kind of got to go. Oh, look, we desperately, desperately need someone. Bring in ticket sales, and you know, and all that. Knicks don't have to worry about that. Because even with all the bad, that the Madison Square Garden is always packed, you know. So Knicks fans are going to show out, win or lose, because they're passionate about their team. So they're not losing financially there. So it, it, it they don't need to go out and make that type of move. It's not, it's not. We're not in that type of drastic situation, I, I believe. As good as it would be, and you know, if, if you could get it done without giving out the, our three best young guys. Um, it'd be beautiful, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't see the Timberwolves taking a package without one of them being included. Un- unfortunately, yeah, they they not that stupid. How I, I seen the trade, dude said we gonna give up Julius Randle, Dennis Smith Jr., Marcus Morris. We gonna get Carl Anthony Towns, Georgie Dang. We gonna give up six first round picks. Like what? How no. is that even possible? No, I don't want to even. I don't even want to do that. Yeah. But since we talking about the call at the town trade, and we both agree that the Knicks should not make that trade, I'm gonna bring another name to you, and we're gonna talk about Devin Booker. And it's one trade that I'm thinking in my head right now, and I'm like, the Knicks might entertain that, knowing that, knowing they brass. And that's, that trade is if the Knicks was to get a top two pick and had the chance to select Anthony Edwards, I think the Knicks would trade Edwards to the Suns for Devin Booker. Yeah. Hypothetically. Depending on I, – I think depending on who's the president. I think if Mills is the president, I think you would do that trade. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. But I think he would. But if it was to happen, I would do it straight up. Or I try to throw some second round picks on there and another unprotected pick. But um that's the that's the guy. I think it, I think that's the guy that you 
you don't necessarily have to give up RJ, Knox, or Mitch to try to get if it's in the offseason during draft time. Nah, nah, nah. Not not if you say if you if you you could even now there's a possibility and there might be p- plenty of people who will laugh at this, but you gotta you gotta think of it from like you said, it's the off season. You say I'll put a hypothetical out there, right? Say we get the one or the two pick, right? Um, uh-huh. You throw that in with Julius Randle, right? I think the Suns take it possibly, you know, or, or you might even have to throw in Trier as well, maybe as well to sweeten it. But that yeah, it'd, it'd be something. It'd, it'd be something along those lines, like very close. It it wouldn't be like three, four, five players in a pick or two. You know, it'd be like something, you know, Julius for the money. So money sort of matches to a degree. And then, you know, they obviously get the first or second pick. um, So they can finally, finally, after all their years too, get a point guard um, and then probably start building around that point guard. Um, That'd be an idea because, you know, I think – when they started the season, people go, oh, okay, they're a bit of a surprise pack. They come straight out of the gate and they were winning games and everything. And then DeAndre Ayton got suspended uh-huh. and they they had a few injuries. Uh-huh. Um, but before, obviously, they, they had the likes of Ayton and, and Mikhail Bridges and, and Kelly Oubre and that. They had crap around Devin Booker. I mean, I, I've been sitting here for the last couple of years, even going, he's just wasting away there in Arizona, the poor bugger. <laughs> Dying like, <there. laughs> yeah, man. Like, he, he's just, he died. He, and he's a star, man. Like, you know, he's even, even this season, and, and, and I, I was, impre- I've been impressed to, to see it. He's even improved on the defensive end, which was, which was the one side of the ball that he had a bit of difficulties on. Um, he's starting to look better that end. So uh, I think that came with obviously getting the leadership role there at the Suns, um, you know, being the leader and everything. So I, I think that's helped his game in that regard. Uh, it's helped his game in a lot of ways. Um, and now, yeah, he's he's a very dominant player, and he, especially in ISO situations too. When he gets ISO, he, he's very good. Um, but I, would, I would love to see him in – playing shooting guard for us uh, with RJ at the three, you know, and then eventually once, once Knox, I've said it the whole time, once Knox's confidence is up, I think his best position is going to be at the four, just purely because of his slot size and that. Um, and because threes and were beating him, you know, uh, they just had that touch of foot and first step quicker. So, you know, um, you, you adjust and, and as he puts on a bit more pounds, you know, I, I think he'll be there at the four. But you get Devin Booker in, um, Oof. yeah, then, then it just comes down to, you know, you, you could sort of get any point guard there or you could just stick with Alfred and, and, and Frank switching around because Devin can run the offense if need be. And they can sort of just be out there for defense and, and to facilitate every now and then sort type thing. They don't, they don't need to do much. Sort of like uh, I, I think they were – kind of expecting it to be a bit more uh, in the Suns for Rubio, but he hasn't really had to because when David Booker has taken over the games, he sort of takes that James Harden approach where he'll, he'll run the offense, you know. So he'll take his shots when, 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 he's, when he's open or he'll find his open man. So 
um, yeah, I, I think that would be a really good trade if if he wants out. <clears throat> so the drop off though, and somebody pointed this out to me was Anthony Edwards is a way better defender. <laughs> we we not even going to compare those two boys on defense. No, no, no. So that's the drop off. So you can say to yourself, "We we I'm about to go straight 2K mode, straight 2K mode." You can say to yourself, "I can have a starting lineup of Frayna Lakina or veteran." Point guard Frank Nellikina coming off the bench with Devin Booker as the two, RJ at the three, Knox at the four, Mitch at the five. Because you're saying you trade Julius Randle, I kind of like that lineup. Or you could go, or you could go Frank at the, you could go Edwards at the one, RJ at the two, Knox at the three, Randle at the four, Mitch at the five. Or you could go Frank at the one. Now, like it, it, it's so many things you could do. But I think the nigga, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put it like this. I'm fifty fifty on it because I think RJ he's not going to get better without being alongside two elite shooters. And I think Booker fits the bill. Just for me personally, he just fits the bill. Yeah. Of the type of yeah. power one around RJ Barrett. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, if there was if there was one one other, but I just don't think um, you know, they've swapped and changed their mind about trading him God knows how many times, then just recently, obviously, and this offseason extended him. Um I mean, if Booker was didn't become available and Bradley Beal once again did I mean, he he'd be a nice fit too at the shooting guard next to next to um, RJ if RJ went to the three. Uh, so I, I don't book a younger though. That's my thing. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh yeah, for sure. And that's, um, I also think if if you had to, if that was say a plan B, right? If that was a plan B, so you, you he didn't say the Suns didn't want to trade book whatsoever. And then the Wizards came back out again and said, oh, well, we're going to put him on the block again. So then you look at it again and you you, you, you could probably get away because it could be in, again, the off-season. Um, you might even get away with not including a 2020 pick for Beal, but including, you know, a future pick, mm-hmm. you know, that's not next season. So, therefore, you do that with Julius Randall and, and probably Trier, Maybe one one other guy, you know, that's that's not in their plans for the future. You bring Beal in at the two and still get your Anthony Edwards at the one, you know. So I, either way, I mean, Devin, Devin would be the the preferred one, uh, Plan A. Um, but yeah, that that'd be Plan B if they ever decided to. Uh, as I said, you, you just don't know if the Wizards with Bradley Beal. You know, one minute they put him on the trade block, the next minute, as I said, they're saying nah, nah, you know, and extending him. So yeah, teams are funny like that, I guess. With with their players, you know, one minute they see one thing, and then the next minute, oh no, nah, we'll back away. Nah, that doesn't seem too good. So. Yeah, but Devin Booker needs to be saved. I mean, Brent, in in my way of thinking too, Bradley Beal kind of needs to be saved too from Washington because it's just uh, 
going nowhere really there. I mean, John Wall still not back. And even when he comes back with the amount of times he's gone down, I, I don't know what type of player he's going to be. Um, you know, they've got Rui Hachimura there and that, but that, you go through their roster. It's not the greatest of roster to look forward to moving forward. So oh, I don't know what they're going to do. So I don't, I don't even know if they'll put Beal back up again. So, yeah, it just all depends on, on who comes forward in the off-season, I guess. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Devin Booker would be wonderful, man. Devin Booker would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I've was i been thinking about that lately. I'm like, yo, I know the Knicks. I know the Knicks. That's <laughs> like, and if you know the Knicks, you know they looking around lurking. But well, here's I'm one more. He, he, here's one more. A smaller trade on a smaller note because it wouldn't be as big a trade as that. Um, but it, it probably more than likely would have to happen during the season. Um, what would you? Th- I think it's been tossed around. Think of trying to go after Kyle Kuzma. Kuz, I'll take Kuzmania. <laughs> I'll take Kuzmania. But I, because, I talked about that too. I talked about that too. Mm, I think he's a little bit. His growth's going to be a little bit stunted there, if you know what I mean, because of both LeBron and Davis. I mean. You know, he, he's been coming off the bench and, and, and playing real well lately. But there's been issues there because he doesn't feel like his progress is coming along as well as what it should. I think for a while there, I was concerned that he, he kind of went backwards a bit once they signed AD because he had a wonderful season beforehand. Um, and then, yeah, AD comes on board and then his minutes get reduced a bit and... You know, it's kind of one of those things again. Um, like Knox, I, I put it to is, is the confidence. But yeah, I, I, I believe that he could he, he he can be a starter in this league at the four. Um, you know, he he he's got that will to improve his game. Um, obviously, and he's aware that he needs to get um, uh, better on the defensive end. You know, and he has I, I've seen him have his moments on the defensive end, but he knows he's still got to improve. Um, but yeah, like when he's on song, offensively, he's another guy, and he's young as well, so he would fit the timeline with the guys like RJ and Knox. Um, you know, so I wouldn't mind making a trade. I don't know what a trade would look like to to get him, um, but I, I'd imagine it'd be on a lot lower scale than of someone of Devin Booker's stature. So I'd keep an eye at least on the situation. I, I, if I was the Knicks brass, just to see what, what the Lakers are going to do there because I know there's been a bit of chatter that they're humming and harring over whether or not they, they want to trade him to bring in some more shooters or whatever their their idea is. That, hmm. You know, so... A lot um, of teams right now, it, a lot of teams right now, bro, they should be calling the Knicks right now. A lot of teams yeah. definitely calling the Knicks, and we got people don't might not want to hear this name. We got Dotson, we got Trey, yep, we got a couple guys on that bench who, who, who teams could use. Now, I would definitely love Kuzma, but the issue with that is we not gonna be able to get Kuzma 
because the Lakers don't have no first round picks for us. So they will have to facilitate that trade by getting a third team. Because that's the only way yeah, I, I thought about that too. Yeah, that's the only yeah. way the Knicks is going to get in in that in that trade market because I don't I don't want no Kyle Kuzma, and they not talking about oh we we not going to give you a first round we won't give me a first rounder or we not going to talk period yeah yeah exactly and and just on another on another note now this would be looking into the off season but would it be worth I'm pretty sure he's under restricted free agency, but, you know, you got to throw the bone out there, I guess, Adam. Um, Would it be worth throwing a restricted offer out to Brandon Ingram at all? Ooh, that's tough. Ooh, that's tough. I say that if you've got the thought of still playing RJ at the two. So Ingram gonna play the three. Ingram will play the three, or or you could swap them around. You could play RJ at the three and Ingram at the two because you know Ingram's got that Durant vibe, and and he's very quick at moving around. So he he could easily play the two or the three. Who's my? I, I think my point guard. Um. Well, obviously, being the Pelicans, you're not gonna. Be giving them Alfred. They've already had Alfred, so you still got Alfred there. Um, but then you, you're not see because you're not having to give a pickup or anything either. So you can still bring in Carson Edwards as well. So you know, I mean, you could have Carson Edwards, R.J. Barrett, Brandon Ingram, Kevin Knox, and 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 Mitch at his starting five, bro. What a, what a young starting five that'd be. Yeah, that. I mean, I take that too, man. I'm. I'm not opposed. And he's got, and it, I mean, you know, you, you did say, you did say shooter and Ingram has gotten better with percentage wise with yeah. his shooting. He's been playing out of his skin. Like, oh, I've been, I've been going, geez, the Lakers must be sitting there going, why, oh, why did we include him in that? Yo, trade? I, I always ask my friend Calvin, I say, yo, bro, you don't regret not trading Brandon Ingram. And I kind of, I kind of want them. I said to him, I said, yo, the Lakers need to keep Brandon Ingram and Trey Kuzma, bro. And he yeah. was, wow. I'm like, yo, Brandon Ingram could play point guard, bro. Is is no reason why. Like, why wouldn't I want a big three of Ingram, LeBron, and AD? And I would give somebody AD to have once LeBron yeah. leaves. You get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, even even if he wasn't at point guard, another lineup. I mean, if they had, you know, when obviously when he was healthy. If they had the Rondo at point guard, and then they they still had Ingram playing small forward, uh, uh, LeBron playing power forward, and Davis playing center, I just would wouldn't know who'd fit in at the shooting guard. I guess Avery Bradley or, or Danny Green. Um, even that lineup, you know, you could you could run with that as well. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think they should have kept Ingram over Kuzma for for. For the lineup in their mind of having LeBron and AD in the front court, um, so I, I think they really should have kept Ingram. Um, I think they're probably regretting that now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd be willing to at least put an offer out there and see if he see if he's interested in wanting to to come to New York. You never know. 
might want to come and play with RJ, who knows? But, um, you know, he might want to stay in NOLA too. He, he mean, you know, so. But do NOLA want to pay him max money? I think they should, considering how well he's been playing. I, I, I think he's going to, to be a perennial all-star. I mean, he, he's, he's just, he's, this season has just blown me away, um, his play. Um, so I, I think if they're smart, considering they're trying to offload Drew Holiday, um, and if you're going to build around a young core, you want to build around, obviously they should be thinking building around him and Zion because that, that one, once you get rid of Drew Holiday, that, that's your two stars there. You know that you know Zion, Zion obviously being at the forefront that's putting bums in seats, but that those fans that, that I, I know they get right they've been getting right behind Ingram because of his play because of how wonderful he's been. So um, they'd be silly not to. I, I I think personally they'd be silly not to um, just because of the caliber of player he is. He's you know they when he came in people were comparing him to KD. And I think it might have been that pressure initially that that's why he was, came out of the gate a bit slow, so to speak. And then then the confidence that even before he got traded, that then we were starting to see the game that I was seeing him play at Duke. And I was like, wow, now I can see the comparison where everyone's talking about him being very similar to KD in, in the way he plays the game, um, which – that type of game, you know, when you're on, can be very dominant and very hard to stop, as, as we've seen when with KD at full health. So, yeah, I think the Pelicans should, but because of that, that's why I, I, I think we should get in there and at least make it hard for them, make them pay up <laughs> if they want to keep yeah, him. Most definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm right, I'm right behind that. Um. um you did, you, I only say that because, you know, young talent, he can mix in with this core. Um, you know, he, he's he's showing the potential sooner than what Wigan showed his potential, like time frame wise. So I'm loving that. Um, and to see him develop again uh, with, with the rest of our, our core, with Knox and Mitch and that, I think he'd be a good ad if, if we could manage to get him. And if, if we put the offer out there and New Orleans sort of went huh, at it and he goes, all right, well, okay, I'll take the Knicks off. I'll see you later. Oh, yeah, big good ad. And again, and again, you're not, you're not giving up anything. You're just paying them. You're just paying the man. You're not giving up picks. You're not trading away anyone. So you've still got the roster there. To once you've brought him in as well, so that's beneficial as well. And then from there you can look at and go, okay, now who are we going to offload? You know, and, and who else do we need to sort of patch this hole and this hole around Frank, around RJ, around Knox, now around Ingram and, and things like that. So um, I'd be keeping my eye out, and I'd be throwing the offer there. I, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I throw an offer. I know it's thirty million, but I I think I'll have to pay that up for Brandon Ingram. I I don't know. I I don't know. I'm I'm in between on, on Brandon Ingram. Um. Uh. I guess I guess we got. I, I guess we got almost everything popped. 
We could have. But on, oh, last thing, you know, last thing before we get out of here. Um, any other trade names you want to throw out there? Yeah. Um. Okay. Before before I throw the trade names out, there's one name. Just for the rest of the season, just for a vet presence, he could help with the shooting presence. Um, you know, if they, if they want to bring in another guy to help out with our young guys for their shooting and stuff, Jeff Green, he'd be cheap. Just bring him in for the rest of the season. You know, you wouldn't have to give him stuff all minutes even. Um, you know, he, he, he sort of wasn't getting that hell of a lot of minutes in, in Utah, but he was acting sort of more in a coach role from what I was, I've been reading in that anyway, um, with their young guys and with Donovan Mitchell and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you, you could look at something like that if, if you want to get someone off the waivers for no, nothing, so to speak. Um, but other trade names, I mean, I know um, I mentioned it a second ago, but I, his age doesn't match up. That's the only thing is, is Drew Holiday. So I, I, I think we're going to stay out of that, that one. Um, you know, I keep hearing Miles Turner's name every every now and then be thrown around uh, because the Pacers, Pacers don't believe uh, he's a great fit moving forward next to Sabonis for some for some reason. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what Pritchard's seeing that that I'm not seeing myself. I, I think that especially the last few games they've been sort of working really well together. But um, yeah, if his name comes up, I, I'd Maybe look at him uh, again. He, he he's young, um, played for all the five. So if you had Mitch at the five, you could run him at the four, and he's a good shooter. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean that that's just a yeah. I'm sort of still fifty fifty on that though, um, only because you know you got to look at all aspects, obviously, and also. I think it's one of those situations like Bradley Beal, the Pacers one minute want to trade him, the next minute they don't want to trade him type thing. So um, I'll tell you why. If, if they weren't – if management is wasn't confident, I don't think it could happen, but it, it, it would be cool if it happened. Um, if they weren't confident they were going to get a high enough, enough pick to get Carson Edwards or, or, or Lamelo Ball, so they weren't going to. If they didn't think they were going to get the first or second pick, I really. What's that one? You said Carson Edwards. You mean Brandon? You mean Anthony Edwards? Oh, Anthony Edwards. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Anthony Edwards. Yeah, Anthony Edwards and and, and um, Lamelo Ball. Yeah, if they if they didn't think they were confident enough to get them, then I don't know. Maybe get on the phone and just. Talk to Presty and see what 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 what's up with uh, SGA. Uh, I'm good on SGA. I don't need SGA. I don't you don't need, you don't like his play? I like him, but I don't need no more guards. Like after after this draft, I'm good on guards. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to make the playoffs. We got RJ. We got these young guys. I'm ready to get these guys going. Man. Um. Another another two names I've been looking at as well, and this is more for what I think's been more of a need than anything, um, is backup centre position. Uh, I've heard some rumblings on, on guys like Dwayne Dedman, um, Serge Ibaka. Um, I don't know yet about Mark Gasol or not, but, you know, there's a few centres that are becoming available that could fill that role. 
I think Rashawn Holmes is another name I've seen mentioned. The Kings, the Kings could put up. Mm. Um, it's a need, uh, that's for sure, because we haven't really got a true backup centre. Um, and obviously, you know, they want Mitch to be the starter. That's that's the whole point with Mitch. So I'd be looking at, you know, some of those guys. Uh, I know I've been hearing like for ages about Stephen Adams, but. I still think he's too good of a starting centre to go into a backup role. So Me too. he'd be good, but I just I just wouldn't want to do that to him. It wouldn't be. And the fact is, is he probably would would actually go. Oh yeah, no worries. Uh, he's Kiwi, <laughs> so he'd probably <laughs> be too real cool on it and going. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll back up the young guy, but I wouldn't want to do that to him because he's still he's only twenty six, so he's still too good to be put in a backup role. So. I think he'd be better off getting traded elsewhere for, for his benefit. Um, but, yeah, Deadman or Rashawn Holmes would be good. Serge Barker would be good because he'd be able to stretch the floor from from the bench. And, and he plays that bench role up in Toronto. So, um, you know, he'd be another one I'd look at. And, and he'd be a good vet to have on the roster as well. He's pretty, he's pretty laid back and funny and chilled, so... That'd that'd be good to rub off on them, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's a few. As I said, there's a few few centers that I've noticed becoming available. Maybe maybe they should only look at fixing that position. That, that that's only real need we've got at the at this present time is a true backup center. So you know, I I I'd just call around and see who they could grab out of, out of those guys I mentioned because at least they they all good defensively. Um, Rashawn Holmes is like a like a a jumping bean man. That, yeah, that, he that killed kid. Us earlier. He killed us earlier. Yeah, he he's got hops, man. Like, I mean, I know he's a tall guy, but he's got hops. Man. He could jump up to blocks. Oh my, he, he'd be good coming off the bench because you'd nearly get the same sort of thing. Really, it'd be like Mitch two point coming off the bench because Mitch bounces around too. So you'd have two real tall bouncy centers that like to swat at everything. That that'd be um. Good defensively, <laughs> yeah. and he'd be a cheap name to to get. I would I would imagine too, like in a trade, like you wouldn't really have to give up much for Rashawn Holmes because I, I don't think he's I don't think he's over five million. I, I'm pretty sure. I think he's on a contract around the four million mark. Yeah, I think so too. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, so um, in in actually thinking about, I'd probably prefer him over Deadman because he's younger and and as I said, he's quite. He's quite bouncy, and he, he's just improved out of sight, um, especially since being in Sacramento. I don't know what what um, Luke Walton's unlocked with him, but, yeah, damn, he's sort of come out of his shell. Um, and spe- I think it might be, too, that he's getting minutes there as well. So even if he, if we were to get him, at least he'd be getting minutes because he'd be the backup centre. So he, he'd get his minutes to do his thing. Yep, for sure, most definitely. That's a good. That's a good group right there too, because we definitely do need a backup. Yeah, like Kenny Woolen. So I don't think I'm, I, I don't think I want to trade for a backup center. I think I just want to bring up Kenny Woolen. <laughs> um, any final words for the people before we get out of here? I guess we we talked about everything. You know, we talked for a minute. Anything else, brother? Yeah, I just want to say the Knicks fans. Um, I guess I guess we can all. So I breathe a little bit easier at night, sleep a little bit easier at night, and it feels damn good for a change. 
So let's keep on enjoying that while the uh, the good times are rolling at the moment. <laughs> um, it's definitely great to be on a bit of a win streak. It's it's obviously been a while um, since that's happened for us. So um, and, and I think um, I think as as each game's going by, like well, in your opinion for yourself, you need you want to see twenty more games. But Mike Miller's slowly but surely, I think, winning New York over. Um, for possibly becoming becoming the full time head coach, um, he's not certainly not doing anything wrong. Uh, improved with each game, as I said, his rotations have gotten better as well. Um, he seems like a coach. Uh, he seems like a coach that that really picks up on on things and 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 uh, you know changes and, and makes adjustments to to what he he feels is is the adjustments that are needed. Um, no nonsense and it's. A, Exactly the type of coach that we we've, we've been needing. Um, so yeah, let let let's look forward to um, as I said, a few more wins and better times under Mike Miller. Hopefully, well, I definitely agree with everything you just said, brother man. We 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 had a great talk tonight. You know, I'm freaking exhausted. Um, <laughs> wrong day at work, but most definitely, man. I'm just proud of Mike Miller. I'm proud of what he can do with this roster. The narrative that David Fisdale was dealt that roster um, is true, but David Fisdale is, excuse my language, he was a shit coach. Like, it, it, that's plain and simple. Um, yeah. But salute to everybody. Salute the Knicks Nation. You know, with my guy, Mr. Mitchell. Episode 74, State of the New York Podcast. My dad, peace.